So I want to read through the first five verses of Psalm 42. I'm not going to spend too much time discussing them. That's what we did last week. We really engaged them and tried to put them into a context. I just want to read them through. Again, these are the words of a man who's hurting. And we'll talk about why he's hurting in a moment. As a deer pants for flowing streams. This is poetic. It's beautiful. So my so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Come on, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Verse 6, and my God. Now he says, and my soul, though, is cast down within me. Again, the psalmist is hurting, right? We talked about why. He's in the wilderness, figuratively, literally. They seem to have been chased out. He's hiding out, separated from the place he loves. We talked about this again from the geographical description. He's somewhere on the eastern shore of the Dead Sea, Alone, it seems, with his thoughts, he feels the pangs of forced separation from the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, which for him, he associates with God's presence, the presence he longs for as he opens it up, like he longs for it like a deer pants for the water brook. Evidently, they had been banished, that he, he can't go back. Some dangerous regime has taken over, but, he, but as he thinks, he remembers he remembers his times of rejoicing, his times of laughter, his times of walking with his friends to the house of the Lord, his times of festival. All those memories start to creep in on him. And those memory, memories of happier times begin to overwhelm him as he starts to think about those happier times. And they begin to overwhelm him in grief and sadness. With such a, such a force do they sweep over him that he starts to feel embarrassed by it. You could tell. Embarrassed by the gloom, he can't seem to shake. So he starts talking to himself like a coach would. He starts talking to his soul. It's one of the rare places in all the scripture where someone is, is kind of looking at themselves and trying to remind that, uh, that self, like my soul, like what's wrong with you, my soul? Come on. Why are you so you know, locked down in your despair? Don't you trust God? Come on, trust God, right? Why are you so cast down? Why are you so in turmoil within me? You're so unsettled, so disturbed. Trust in God. You know better. He's talking to himself. You know better. Come on. And then he says, therefore, look at this. Therefore, I remember you, that sixth verse, from the land of the Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar, from the wilderness place, from the land of my hurt, I cast my gaze upon you. From the place of my hurt, I remember you, Lord. And so I want to suggest, and we'll just put this up first. This is going to seem so simple. But I'm going to suggest that in times of upheaval, loved ones, because we are loved by God, in times of upheaval, turn towards him, not away, which will always be a temptation. When things aren't going well, when things seem to be melting down, turn to him, not away. And that's what he keeps doing, you know. Three times in this, these two psalms, he will do that. One time in verse 5, one time in 11, and then the final time in verse 5 of Psalm 43. 5, 11, 5. 
anchoring points. In fact, do this for me, please. Turn to someone on your right or your left and say, 5115, anchoring points. Go ahead, do it, come on. 5115, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so simple. All right. But then he presses forward poetically. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves. They've just gone over me. And in the past, I've thought of this verse, like many have, as, a, as an invitation to the deeper life in God. Deep calls to deep. When I was growing up, and I first heard this verse, and I was taught it as an early young Christian, it was like deep calls to deep. God calls us into the deeper places, and I still love that. As a standalone, it makes total sense to me. The deep things of God calls us into the depths. Not the surface, but into the depths. And yet, if you really look at the context of this verse, it's actually a description of something that he's feeling overwhelmed by. I mean, if you look at it, he's really describing churning waters, roaring waters, deep waters, swelling waters, breaking like waves off of an angry uh, ocean or lake. One after another, the psalmist says, they are falling on me. In other words, I am immersed in a sea of trouble. In my fears and in my tears, I feel it overwhelmed by them, water in my eyes, the sadness I cannot control. Waves are powerful. They can knock us down. Waves of emotion can do that as well. And that's why we often say, as we said last week, when we quoted Pascal, that the heart has reasons that reason often knows nothing of, right? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know. But it's how I feel. Come on. I know I feel this way, right? But then you watch what he's doing. He's so, he's so much like us. He sincerely loves God. Remember what's going on. He sincerely loves God, but he's hurting, and things are going against him, and he's wrestling with it. He's tacking back and forth like a man who's trying to balance himself on a, on a high wire, right? He's trying to compensate one direction or the other. He can't fall off. He's wrestling with his own mind. He's wrestling with God, like we often do with his situation, with the unfairness of it. And yet he's refusing to let go of God, the God he loves, and the one he knows loves him. But it's hard. And he's wondering, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? It's not fair. I don't like it. It's awful. He's, this is such a real, honest psalm. Then you look at verse 8. Then he calls himself. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Yeah, a prayer to the God of my life. It's, my, it's what I do. It's who I am. I say to God, you are my rock. But then I say, why have you forgotten me? He feels forgotten. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression? You know, that means the idea of being pressed. Pressure. You're under pressure. The literal word means, if you, if you, if you look at the translation, in the original meaning contains also the idea of being squeezed by something. You're feeling squeezed by it, under pressure, tight. You're under the grip of it. I'm oppressed by this enemy. He feel, he's feeling oppressed by his enemies, by his critics who are rejoicing over his plight, laughing him down, happy at his non-blessing. Good. <laughs> it is great. Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my... Look at these words. As with a deadly wound in my bones, which speaks of great pain. Think about the language. At an emotional level, they smash me with a mortal blow, shattering my bones. He's saying, he's using a descriptive language, right, of someone smashing his bone. But he's saying, that's what they're doing to me at an emotional level. My adversaries, they taunt me. They say to me all the day long, where is your God? Again, can't help but think of Jesus hanging helplessly on the cross. His enemies wagging their fingers saying, you said you were God. You said you were the promised one, get yourself off that cross. Jesus hangs there, utterly helpless, feeling forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
but also enough in him to model what it seems incredible to me. Right? He begins to, Father, forgive them, praise for his enemies. Stunning to me. That's a whole other level, a whole other story. All right, Lord, they qu- but this is what the psalmist says. Lord, they question the, va- the value and the validity of my faith. They, they question my faith in you. They demean you by saying to me, hey, you're God. You're God. This God you're so committed to, he's of no tangible help to you. <laughs> Look at your life. Either, either because he's worthless <laughs> or listen, because you are worthless to him. It bites, and that's like the enemy's knife, right? The lying thrust of the evil one, right in there. So he's struggling, right? And he goes back again to the familiar theme. There it is, the second time. He drops in, look at 5, 11. There it is, verse 11. Why are you cast down? Oh, can I, he drops back right there. Come on. He's, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why are you in turmoil? What's going on inside of you? Why are you struggling so much on the inside? Now, if you look closely, just real quick. There are three reasons why he's struggling so much. They were all alluded to. I just want to quickly identify them and make a connection for each of us. Okay? The first, thing he, what, well, the first reason he's struggling, if you look at the description, is because literally he feels separated from the sanctuary that he loves. He's alienated from the place he has come to love, the place where the Lord's presence dwells. He longs for it, yearns for it, aches for it, feels the loss. Some of us go, oh, okay, that's not. No. Have you ever felt loss? I mean of something you loved, of someone you loved. See, now we're getting there, as I have. There are certain seasons where you're hit with multiple loss. You're not even finished grieving. You're already in in it again. Sometimes it's a loss of a person we love that means so much to us, a relationship we value. It could be the, I was talking to someone, and they, had, they were struggling physically because some of the things they had always been able to do, they couldn't do them anymore. The physical had changed. They were lost. They lost. There was a loss. He's lo- he feels the loss. The, the other thing that you'll see here is that he's, his memory, you, you hear it in his words, right? You, you just read it. He's thinking back to to these better times, right? These brighter days, these better days. And for him, the contrast is overwhelming. Now, listen, that's real life for us. There might be times in our lives we're sitting in a situation, we're feeling like this is so bad. And then we're thinking about, I remember how it used to be. I love that. But look at me now. There are times where that, that's what's going on with him. He's going, this is, this is so, I miss those days. I miss that time. I want to be back in that time. And sometimes it has to do with a wound that is connected to a memory of something we squandered. It might be something we did, or in his case, something that was literally taken from us so unfairly, right, in his case. But either way, we feel it, and we have the memory of it. And then thirdly, the scrutiny and the taunts of his enemies and critics, right? That's wish, that's adding to it. So he has the loss itself, and then he has the people part of it, where people are misassessing things, judging him, criticizing him, and he feels that sting on top of it all. And, it's an, and, and again, he, he feels the compounding effect of being judged and having to defend himself and his relationship with God. His condition exposes him, makes him vulnerable to the painful assessments of others. He almost feels helpless, basically. What am I supposed to say? Look at my life? It's awful. 
What am I, how am I do? How do I even defend you, Lord? My, my situation makes me completely vulnerable to their unfair words. How do I, how do I respond to this? I can't say anything. Say, oh, I love you. You love me. But look at me. This is, this is what's going on here. We're, it's almost like he's, you could feel the angst in him, right? He's, he's in this place where he feels like his, you can see it. His confidence is waning. He feels, feels stigmatized. Some of, us, some of us may find ourselves at some point, I don't want this to happen, where we feel because of something that happens in our life or has happened, ashamed, diminished, somehow, um, okay, I'm going to say it, we might feel like somehow maybe we're damaged goods. And, and that can lead you into despair. And... He feels this, but what he feels is he senses himself dropping into that place. You know what he does is he fights. He fights that, and he tries to refocus himself. Look at this. He fights in faith. Look what he does at the end of that, that 11th verse. No, 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 no. Hope in God. Come on now, oh my soul. Why are you so beaten down? Come on. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, you, my salvation and my God. Here's something. Here's a, here's a principle. Sounds simple. Again, another anchoring point in a, times of upheaval. Here it is. In times of personal upheaval, it's good to acknowledge the struggle of our soul. That's true. But it is, it's okay to be honest. It's better to be honest. If the Psalms teach us anything, it's like God's okay with honesty. In fact, he invites us into it. Rather have an honest prayer that flows out of a true heart than a very flowery, disconnected one that has nothing to do with what we really believe. It's just going through the motions. The Lord taught us that countless times. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do anything that I say, he said. Don't, he, he always would talk about it. Don't say you love me, but then you just totally disconnect it from your life. Always into that. And I think there's something about it the Lord would always say. It doesn't matter how eloquent the prayer is. He said, do you mean it? I'm like, he's, what I love about it is being, he's being very honest. But it's even better. Listen, as good as honesty is, it's even better to, you know, steady ourselves. I want to hit that word, steady ourselves, in the Savior of, your, of our soul. I grew up into my teen years. Before I was a teenager, my family blew apart, right? They, my mom and dad, they, it, they all melted down. And I've talked about this before, and I know a lot of us have had other experiences, but I, I didn't have, basically, when my mom and dad divorce or started that separation ultimately led there. What happened was my brother and I, my only brother myself, we basically grew up with my mom into our teen years. And I remember that because what I, one of the things I remember, besides the anger that the Lord had to get out of me, and only the Lord did it truly, was my dad was nowhere to be found. He was just AWOL. I think I, I still to this day have memories of playing games in high school and, and uh, things that, anyway, the fact is, never, had, never showed up once, right? Not once. And even though I ended up having a good relationship with my grandfather, who was the, the founding pastor, he was of a pastor of, of the church when I was just a, a lad, I 
I, I didn't, it wasn't until years later that I had a decent relationship with my grandfather, and he was from an entirely different generation, that World War II generation. They didn't know how to show a lot of love and affection, to be honest. Right? If you got a tap on your head, that was, I love you, right? I'm just being, <laughs> that's how I interpreted it. I said, oh, wow, you just told me you love me, you know? But I knew he did. I could tell by his glances. It was, it was, that was more from the school of, I love you, and if I ever stop loving you, I'll let you know, right? That kind of thing. <laughs> um, but between my grandfather not really knowing how to show that, and, and that's okay. It was okay, because he taught me how to love God. How do I pay that back? A real man with flaws who love God. What do you do with that? But say thank you. But having said that, I didn't have my father. And there were times I remember in my life where I would, I would not know what to do. I, didn't know, I didn't feel comfortable talking to my mother about it. So I would remember, and even as I got older, in becoming a husband and a young father, there was still a sense of, of not really having anywhere to go. And there were times, I'm, I'm going to just say this, because I felt like there were times where I didn't have anybody to say to me these words that I felt like the Lord at times spoke to me. I, I never had a father say to me, hey, steady, son, it's okay. But there were times where I felt the Lord say that to me. Steady, son. And he may, listen, and I think he says that to you too. Steady, my daughter. Steady. Steady, my son. Steady. Come on now. Steady. But this is going to, steady. Stay with me. I felt those words in my life. Steady. I never got them from my earthly father, but I got them from the Lord. Steady, son. That's what the psalmist is trying to do, right? He's trying to steady himself. He's saying, Lord, I, 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 I need to be honest about my struggle, but I also, I also want to be confident in your faithfulness. So how do I reconcile these two things? I need them to mesh together. I need them to mesh together for me right now. I, I, this is awful. What I, how I feel is bad. Here's all the reasons why I feel it. But at the same time, I know who you are. And we, you are with me. And, and you are faithful. And he's trying to hold those two. In fact, 5, 11, 5, every one of those verses is the meshing of those two things. Think about it. Why are you so downcast? Why are you in such despair? Why in so much turmoil? Ah, hope in God. Hope in God, my salvation, right? It's right there. It's both. It's real and it's, it's trusting. Now, look, watch him turn his focus back. Now, we shift to Psalm 43, just five verses. Watch him turn his focus back on God. In his mind's eye, well, in my mind's eye, he does what I've done a few times in my life, too. He shouts to the Lord. <laughs> Vindicate me. Defend me. A couple of times, more than a few times, in some of my lowest places in my life, with God, with life, period. Not too long ago, <laughs> I got alone somewhere and had all this stuff in me. And I just started shouting to the Lord where I could be alone. Lord, I need you right now. I, and I vocalized it. I vocalized Lord, help me. Help me to think right. Help me to act in this situation. I need your strength to do it. Oh, God. Be, I mean, I'm just letting him 
letting him know my heart. I think there's power in it. There's power in it. Sometimes we just got to get it out there to him. I know we've been, I know I get the logic. I get the principles. I get the, you know, we've got to think this. I get all, I'm, all, I'm totally in on cognitive thinking. How we think affects us. I get it. But I'm going to also say there's something about expressing our emotions before the Lord that is powerful. And the Psalms teach it, that it has power in it. You know, look at that 43rd verse, verse 1, 43, verse 1. Read it through. When I read it through, vindicate me, O God. I mean, I've read it this way many times. Vindicate me, O God. Please defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and the unjust man. Would you please deliver me? I don't think that's how it, <laughs> you know what that was? I'll tell you how it was. It wasn't vindicate me, oh God, defend my cause. <laughs> vindicate me, God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I got nothing. I got no one. I need you right now. Vindicate me, oh God. Oh God, I ask you, defend my cause. That is where he's at. Uh, I have people coming against me, deceitful, they're unjust. I need your deliverance. I need it, I need it now. Vindicate me, oh God, right? See, this is, this is like, now when he talks about enemies, now I get, see for me, I, he's had real enemies that he's dealing with. You now sometimes we have people who are opposed, I suppose, in our lives. And I, I, when I read the Psalms, so much of it has to do, just stay with me, has to do with enemies. In their case, there were real ones. Right? His case is real people. And there might be times when we have that in our lives, but I think most of the time, I'm going to tell you how I interpret the Psalms through my own, the lens of my own life with God. I think about the things that are coming against me to undermine my faith with Him and the commitments I have made to not only the Lord, but to the people I love, to the church I love. And I remind myself, here are these things. Some of them are spiritual. I feel them coming against me. And they're joining in with other things that oppose me. My way of thinking, which is not necessarily in line with what God is saying. A fear that's trying to grip my mind. I know this is not an old habit that wants to lay a hold of me. No, that's not of you, Lord. These enemies that come against me. This resentment that I'm giving place to. No, 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 no. I come against this. This feeling of, whatever it is, hitting, these are my enemies. Oh God, I will try. This struggle that I find myself in with a, it is a mortal death battle. There's a, something trying to grip my soul. Oh God, deliver me from this enemy, this lie and this deceit that's trying to take hold and link itself into me. I come against this in the name of the Lord. Through my God, I shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down the enemy. By his strength, in his strength alone, I can bend a bow of bronze, Psalm 18. I can run through a troop. Through my God, I shall do valiantly. He'll make my feet as nimble as the feet of a deer. I mean, you start quoting the Psalms, you see what's going on. I come against this problem in my life. I come against this attitude that's unworthy of you, trying to lodge itself in my life. I come against that in the name of the Lord. You start to see the power of what he's trying to do. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, for you are the God in whom, I only got three more verses. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Lord, I've come to depend on you. Look to you for my protection and safety. Oh, but come on, why have you rejected me, turned away from me? You know, oh, by the way, in the original Hebrew, the word, the word rejected me, uh, it literally, it, it means cast away and reject, but it also can mean, this is interesting, it can also mean stink or stench. Like something, 
putrid that's rotting. Something discarded, thrown out into the compost pile. The green bin, right? That one. And, and he's saying, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I feel like you don't, you don't want me. You don't want me. You're not helping me. It's real. He's upset. He's pressing. He's exaggerating. He's raw. He says, why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. And then he's working himself back into a frenzy. We know what that's like. Start working ourselves back into a frenzy of why God isn't being, what's wrong here? Everything's bad. Then he, then he catches himself. Verse 3, send out your light and your truth, Lord. Please, Lord, let them lead me. Let, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Quickly, quickly. And do you see it? Send out your truth. Send out your truth. Send out your truth. Let me link into your truth. Not what I'm thinking right now. Not how I'm feeling right now. Into your truth. Send your light. Send your truth. In times of upheaval, in times of upheaval in our lives, especially emotionally, could be anything though, it's wise to distrust ourselves or at least suspect ourselves, our judgments and our assessments, and ask the Lord to lead and guide us uh, the way through on the basis, listen, of his truth. Sit with that for a moment. He says, Lord, I, I know this stuff is trying to define my, my mindset right now. So I'm asking you, I am asking you right now to send out your light and your truth. I am asking you to help me live not by how I'm feeling, which is real, but by the truth of who you say you are and what you have promised. I, I ask that you will let your light and your truth lead me right now. Lead me to where you want me to go, right? And I think that it's easy when we're hurting to lose our perspective. Our lens gets blurred. Uh, we lose track of what's true. We exaggerate our problems. They become exaggerated. They begin to, uh, we begin to yield to the dominance of, in our lives. They, they, we begin to let them dominate us all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, we're catastrophizing and we're creating stuff that isn't even true. We start to be, believe the untruth. We create it. We believe it. And then we start believing the untruth about ourselves, about others, and even God. You know, I was, re I was watching this um, really amazing documentary on uh, Nikola Tesla. Now, Tesla is this, was an amazing inventor, a master in electricity discovery, who, by the way, is the one whom the Tesla car company is named after. Now, Tesla ran experiments. He was an inventor. Um, he he, he mastered stuff like things like remote control. AC is all because of, of Tesla. Electric engine, right? It's got radio frequency. I mean, we're talking about, he was involved in all these things that we, we are still in our day in life connected to. The guy was a genius. If you do a research, a, a Google on, on Tesla, you'll be amazed. The guy was a genius. He, in his, one of the things they said about him was he had this mind that could, in his mind, he, he, he was a, it was in the last part of the 19th century, the early part of the 20th century, and he could think of things. He had such a, an imagination he could think in details of things that weren't even invented. And then he could take his mind's ideas and in one swoop put them down. He could think of the, it was like this incredible imagination. But what caught me was not the genius of his imagination, which I was going, oh my goodness, this guy's off the charts. You know what caught me was when they said this. They go, the only problem Tesla had, though, is he had bouts in his life where he would he would get in real trouble. You know why? Because there would come points where he couldn't differentiate between his imagination and reality. 
so caught up in things that you and I couldn't even conceive in details, but then something happened. He couldn't click all the way back into reality. And all of a sudden, he's functioning, he's in a meltdown mode. And I was going, oh, wow, that's interesting. And I was thinking about this psalm. I was going, Lord, okay, I don't have the problem of that level of genius, but, <laughs> but I do have a small capacity to imagine myself into unreality. That when I'm under extreme emotional duress, I am capable of inventing something that doesn't even really exist. At least not at the level I'm imagining it. Now you know what I'm talking about. We have to watch our emotions because when they get going, they can take us into places that aren't even real. And the next thing you know, we're operating off of unreality. Send your light and your truth, Lord. I anchor myself in your light and your truth. Not in my mind, because my mind will betray me. My emotions will betray me. See, this psalm, he, he, he is intrinsically understanding that he is, he, he can feel it. He can feel himself going off. So he pulls him, 5.11.5, he pulls himself back into the place where he anchors himself in what he knows to be true. He, he clicks back in what, what Tesla couldn't do really, or at least didn't, didn't do enough of, click back in. He, he clicks himself back into his God reality. Boom. Links it back in. Ah, well, hope in you. And the last thing I'll say, and we'll leave it with this, because he goes on, and I'll just read it through. All right? Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. I will praise you with the lyre. That, that's an ancient instrument. Oh, God, my God. And then one last time, confronting his despairing heart, where the psalm closes. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. That's how he ends. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, last thing, we'll leave it here. The last of the last, okay? In times of great upheaval, exhort yourself to put your hope in God and lean positive. Urge, we need to urge ourselves to apply our confidence optimistically in his direction. Apply our confidence optimistically in his direction. That's how he ends. He holds himself right here. Right here. Bad stuff everywhere. I will hope in God. I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. When we have a speaker who's a part of our church, Alice Costanza, she's amazing. Some of you have heard her speak. Given her limitations, stunning. She's blind and suffered, has gone through a number of cancers. And she's an amazing inspiration to so many of us in our church. She'll be sharing again this fall. One of the things she says is such a simple phrase, but I always, when I hear it from her, it, it means even more. But she says, she says, it's okay. And even if it's not okay with God, it's okay. It's okay. And even if it's not okay, it's okay. God is with us. I will hope in him. I'm with him. This life deliverance or the next, I'm hoping both. That'd be great. But the, listen, but if I have to choose, I'll always take the latter. That's me. But I'll tell you this. We can trust him. We've got to fasten ourselves, anchor ourselves. The psalm, the psalm wall we created, you see these in the back of the seats there. 
we did this because we were saying, hey, you know what, let's interact with sometimes what we sense God is saying to us. I don't know, you don't have to do this, but I would encourage some of you, if you, if you want to, between now and when we end after the final song, just kind of our benediction, if you will, our good word to end with. That, you know, think about maybe a sentence or two of how God spoke to you, maybe in your heart, something you feel like you need to anchor yourself in. Could be part of the verse, could be something that really hit home. But the very act of writing has power when we write our thoughts down. So I believe in journaling our prayers as well. But think about the possibility of just saying, hey, I'm going to put this on the wall. I'm going to plant this on the wall uh, before we're done. It's interesting because the song that we're closing with that we're going to we share after, the, after our giving time, uh, that song is written uh, by one of our own, Shannon. She wrote that song just for this message because it's built around Psalm 43. So enjoy it with that in mind, but also let, it, let the truth of what we've just shared sit with us. So let me close in prayer and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. So Lord, I thank you for the time that we've been able to share together. I ask that these words would help be an anchor for us, true and strong. Keep working in our lives. Help us not to be afraid of anything. And when we struggle, let's find our way back to you, have these anchor points in our lives that keep us from drifting out into places, Lord, that start to define us in our wounds and in our hurts, in our pains and in our losses. Be our strength. Give us great courage. Help us to be blessers. Steady son. Steady daughter. In Jesus' name. Amen.